Welcome to the Legal Slant podcast hosted by me, Jessica Jaramillo, and Vanessa Petrie. In each episode, we interview legal marketing professionals and leaders who are making an impact in our industry. We also spotlight the unique challenges legal marketers face and how to avoid burnout and even thrive. We are passionate about bringing the legal marketing community together to provide wisdom, humor, camaraderie, and life hacks. Working in this industry requires a lot of grit and plenty of grace. So join us every other week as we take on tough topics with levity and humor. Hey everyone, this is Vanessa, and before we get into today's episode with Lynn Foley, we just wanted to take a minute to acknowledge that this was recorded before the COVID pandemic took over uh, a lot of our lives. Um, We recognize this topic is so very timely with Lynn. We're going to talk a lot about health and mental health and just our wellness in general. And so we think this is a great, great episode, but we would be remiss to say if we didn't acknowledge at least that this is happening, um, although it wasn't happening when we interviewed Lynn. Um, And so Jessica and I are both obviously at home, working from home and trying to keep our own sanity and definitely listening to Lynn and talking with her and reading the survey was such a good reminder of how and why we should be taking care of our minds and our health. And so uh, we wanted to share just personally what we're doing during this time to keep our own health and wellness in check. Um, I'll go first, Jessica, if that's okay. Yeah, please tell me what you've been up to. So our family, you know, I have two kids and they're homeschooling and we've, we've been doing theme nights, which is fun. So we, each take our turn and pick a theme and then we try to have a meal and maybe a movie around that theme. So my night, we chose sports because I dearly, dearly miss sports. And that was really fun. And I made kind of a traditional fall meal and we watched a lot of sports, uh, sports movies and sports reruns. And that was really fun. So we're doing some things like that. We so fun. I don't, are you a big sports fan? Have we talked about this? I'm a sports fan, but I, I don't know. I would not say that I'm a big sports fan. Um, we've been watching some old uh, basketball, some old football, and, you know, like last year's golf tournaments have been on quite a bit. So that's what we've been, um, it's been on the TV during the day. Well, I think last year we took like five vacations and they were all centered around sporting events. And we went to see a lot of great sporting events. And we had all these plans this year. And of course they've all gone out the window, but yeah, so we, we did some sports things and then we're, we're kind of redoing our backyard. If we're going to be spending a lot of time there and of course it's raining here. So I can't garden and do some of the things we, we wanted to do, but I think we have some time, so it's okay. Yes. We'll take We're going to be here for a while. (laughs) Yeah. So we have a long-term backyard makeover project. What about you? What are you doing to not work all the time yeah, um, and just take some breaks and take some mind breaks. So, you know, we knew that we were going to have some time at home and had been tossing around before all of this happened, we'd been tossing around the idea of getting a puppy. And so I pulled the trigger and I, we got a puppy um, right as we started working from home. And so that's We'll see if that was a good decision or not. So far, it's been a great distraction. We added uh, a little puppy 
to our family and uh, he needs love. What kind of puppy? So it's, um, he is a rough collie. So um, he's tricolor. So you think of Lassie, but different colored. And um, he's pretty cute and sweet and happy and just trying to figure out life in our, our family. We already have another collie. She's nine years old and um, they're figuring out life together. And so it's been lots of dog walks, lots of, you know, playing and just figuring out how all of that works with the new, a new little loved one. And um, yeah, I mean, it's been snowing here in Denver on and off. We are having some really great weather right now, but it's springtime in the Rockies. And so as the weather permits, we're going to get out in the yard and, you know, get ready for summer. So clean up those flower boxes and get the lawn ready and uh, just really kind of focus on um, some of those household things, making your environment a happy place that you don't always get to do when you're, uh, you know, working Mach 10. So we're, we're going to take the time and just day by day, see what comes our way. Love it. Yeah. So why don't we jump into this interview with Lynn? Because I think she's got some great takeaways for our listeners um, in general, and especially now that we find ourselves in this, these business unusual circumstances. Sound good? Yes, let's do it. Welcome to the Legal Slant Podcast. Today, Vanessa and I are speaking with Lynn Foley of F Squared Marketing. Recently, Lynn and her team published the results of their survey on the health and wellness of those of us in the legal marketing field. And I've really been looking forward to this conversation since reading her report. So I'm going to give you Lynn's bio and then we'll get into the questions. Lynn is a CEO and co-founder of F Squared Marketing, a marketing consulting firm with expertise in client development, digital strategy and execution, strategic planning, and brand visibility for law firms. Lynn has over 20 years of hands-on strategic marketing and business development experience and has held senior roles at market-leading companies, including White & Case, J.P. Morgan Chase, and PwC. Since 2012, Lynn and her colleagues have worked with national, regional, and boutique law firms to achieve their strategic goals. Lynn, welcome to our podcast, and thank you for taking the time to be with us here today. Thank you for having me. So we just gave the bio. Uh, What do we need to know about you that's not already there? That I'm not really that old. (laughs) Sorry, I am that old. Um, I just wish I wasn't. Um, What about my bio? Um... It makes me sound a lot stuffier than I think I am. I I very much enjoy what I do and um, I have a passion for what I do. Whereas that bio sounds a little bit, you know, not so. Well, tell us something fun about you that we don't know, Lynn. You know, when you do these kind of icebreaker things and it's always like, tell me one thing you don't know, or it's like, you know, two truths and a lie. Yeah. Yes. Um, My my truth, um, not my truth, but my truth truth in three, two truths in a lie, right. um, is when I was younger, I was um, Oksana Bayul's English voiceover for the Olympic <gasps> Games, the Winter Olympics. How cool. Yeah, it was actually very cool. So whenever... That is... How did you get that job? Your voice talent? 
No. Or you just No, I was actually um a production assistant at a post-production company ah. in New York um when I first moved over from Ireland and I had um I basically was the person who was around and they said they needed someone and somebody said, "Hey, <laughs> Our PA has a reasonably nice English-speaking voice, um, so I became yeah her voiceover for NBC for the Olympics when she won the gold medal. Fascinating. So that's my kind of <laughs> that is fantastic. my randomness. Yeah. Well, it's it's not as as fun as my partner because he used to make um, he used to work at an animation studio where he made the um, mutant ninja turtles. <laughs> That so, does trump I you. Totally Sorry. Agree. Yeah. That, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So anyway. So how did you get into legal marketing then? Oh, my goodness. Oh, a, a total fluke. It really, really was probably much like many, many people in our industry. It wasn't one of those things that when I was uh, a little girl growing up, I sat there going, Mommy, I want to be a legal marketer. Um and my kids now definitely are like, no, mommy, I do not wish to be a legal marketer. Um, I was working at PricewaterhouseCoopers and I was the business development executive for the private company services practice uh, in the tri-state area um, out of New York. So a number of the um, companies that we worked with were law firms. And I had previously worked at JP Morgan for about 10 years um, as a vice president of client management and sales there. And I worked with banks, obviously, and I knew banking very well. And um, a recruiter randomly contacted me. Have no idea. This was not, you know, the time of LinkedIn uh, where someone can just randomly look you up and go, yes, this is the person I'm looking for. No idea how she got my name. Um, and she called me and said that she had this large global law firm who was looking for somebody and would I be willing to interview? And I said, no. And she called uh, three days later and said, you know, please, we interview. And I said, no. And then she called the week and she said, I will keep calling you until you say yes, because I think you would be perfect for this position. Um, so I said, fine, I'm going, but don't expect me to wear a proper skirt suit because I'm not going to. Um, I'm wearing my pantsuit and I don't care if they don't like me for it. Um, that tells you when this was. And um, I turned up at White and Case and I met some absolutely wonderful people and they asked me to head up practice development for their finance practices. And um, I said, okay. And uh, I've never looked back since. I so love it. Yep. I love it. And I, I, um, I once interviewed for a job and, and I had just bought a bunch of pants and then the managing partner called to offer me the job, but then told me that I had to wear skirts every day. <laughs> this wasn't that long ago. And I remember being like, excuse me, what you want me to, I can't wear pants. No, the, um, and he said he was a younger partner and he said the founding partner or whatever was still very traditional. This was in Houston, Texas some years ago, but not that long ago. And I said, yeah, I can't, I can't take that job. Yeah. <laughs> 
for the sake of my mental wellness, I cannot take that job. Yes. I I mean, that tells you a lot about culture, right? Uh, That tells me all I need to know about the culture of that firm. Um, (laughs) Well, I think that people need to look at the fact that, you know, wearing pantyhose in the middle mm -hmm. of, you know, a Texas summer is torture. So Not ideal. No. Yeah. And it was, it was like a pantyhose and dress skirt type situation. Uh, (laughs) And probably closed toe shoes. Yeah. Um, I know. Okay. So, so Lynn, let's get into this report a little bit. We, um, I I know I thoroughly enjoyed getting to hear about it. Uh, You gave sort of an overview of the report. There was a panel presentation um, at the LMA Southwest Regional Conference last fall. And I know you've been doing podcasts and and other uh, interviews. um, So I'm excited for our listeners to hear a little bit about this report, but can you just, can you just take us back to the beginning and tell us what what prompted you to even conduct this survey on the health and wellness of illegal marketers? Sure. Um, so as you heard from my story, I spent time in-house at a very large global law firm. And I had some absolutely fabulous times and I had some absolutely terrible times, um, as is the case in any job that you do. Um, but I started seeing recently, so I've been consulting now for a a number of years, but um, I started seeing a lot of trends in in the legal press about uh, attorney wellness and how, you know, the ABA was looking at it. In Canada, the CBA was looking at it. Everybody was coming up with these, um, you know, let's sign on to these pledges about the mental wellness. And I kept waiting well, when are we going to start hearing about the business professionals who work in these law firms? And I kept waiting and waiting. And I had um, one of my team members on basically watch. When you see something, let me know because I want to write a blog post about it. Um, And he's like, I'm not seeing anything. And it just got to the point where I started talking to a couple of people in her house and saying, you know, have you heard anything? And they're like, well, no, it's, it's focused on the attorneys. And it turns out no one cares about us. And I just was like, this is ridiculous. Um, and a number of people who I had spoken to were like, well, you know, I don't want to rock the boat. You know how things are, you know, all of those reasonable things platitudes that you hear when working in law firms. And I just said, this is, you know, if we can't do it as a firm that specializes in working with law firms, but someone who is not in-house, then who can do it? Um, You know, we come from a perspective where we've worked in-house, so we understand what it's like, but we're not going to be someone who, you know, if we put this material out or start talking about it, is going to have a managing partner or a director of HR who's going to be mad at me. That's what happens when you own your own company. Um, You get to do these things. Um, And I kept thinking back to a time when I was uh, in-house and I had been in the office from seven in the morning, hadn't seen my kids before they went to school, Um, had done 12 plus hours because I know I ate breakfast, lunch and dinner at my desk. So it was well after seven, so 12 odd hours. And I remember being at the elevator And a partner walk into the elevator and he looked at his watch and he looked at me and he looked at his watch and he goes, oh, so half day today then, Lynn. And I just was like, 
oh my goodness. And because I knew I wasn't going to see my kids before they went to bed either. And I just, um, I thought back to that. And I said to myself, you know, someone needs to at least get some information out there as to where things are from a legal marketing perspective. Um, Because at least when, you know, from my experience, um, we talk about there being, you know, business professionals and attorneys, but there often is almost this three buckets, attorneys, business professionals, and then legal staff. So the legal assistants, paralegals, et cetera, who are working with the attorneys right next to them day to day, supporting them. And, but you have legal marketers, um, finance people, administration, HR, people who are deemed to be business professionals. So you have almost this different um, expectation because we're the ones with the master's degrees, you know, the MBAs, the MFAs, whatever they may be. So there's an expectation that, you know, these, you know, business professionals are salaried individuals who are still going to work 12 hours, 14 hours, have their phone with them, check an email in the evenings, during weekends, etc. And people just weren't talking about them. So and spoiler alert, we don't we don't make what the lawyers make. Last I checked, no. What? <laughs> oh. Um, so <laughs> we said there needs to be some data. So we went out and we put a survey in the market to see if we could get some, which we did. So that's the very, very long story. Sorry, that took longer than it should have. No, um, we're glad that you did. So break down this report a a bit for us. How many respondents did you get? How did you get in? How did you go about getting the word out? And um, it seems like you have a very good cross-section of junior professionals, mid-level and senior professionals. Can you talk uh, to us a little bit about that? I can. Um, so we had 200 people uh, from our market respond, um, which may to some think that that's not a huge number. Um, just to put it into perspective, um, there are 4,000 members of the Legal Marketing Association approximately worldwide. So we got 200 people who responded. And of those 200, 80% were LMA, Legal Marketing Association members. Um, so not a bad ratio of, of people who completed it. Um, we, 41% were of a manager level. 27% were director, 11% were specialist, and everyone else was sprinkled on either side of that as well. And um, how we got it was purely through um, word of mouth. Um, this wasn't something that was sponsored by anybody. Um, so it was um, through social media and then also through the Legal Marketing Association's annual conference last year. Um, we literally handed out postcards with links on it saying, please fill this in, please participate. And we got that from there. And I think there was probably, understandably, some skepticism because people were like, we haven't seen this before. This is a sensitive topic. Um, But it was completely anonymous. Still is. I have no idea. Um, We did not 
try and, you know, dig deep into the data and try and figure out who anyone is. Although one person who responded told, um, actually wrote that they had chosen Zimbabwe as their country um, so that we could not figure out who they were. Um, I did not intend to try and figure out. I have other things to do, um, but just in case. Um, so that's how we looked at it. And we just were grateful for anyone who would respond. And we were absolutely thrilled because not only did 200 people respond to the survey, the majority of them actually shared you know, insights too. those lovely blank spots, which is, you know, please give your information here or share more about your thoughts here. A load of people responded and we got an awful lot of information that we were able to use as to, um, you know, the true sentiment and, and understanding, um, you know, some really key things came out of, of what people shared with us in those fields as well. Fantastic. So look, we get it. We're triaging the needs of lawyers on a day-to-day basis. We are not triaging patients in an ER. Um, according to the survey, a majority of respondents on a scale of one to 10, one being no stress and 10 being very high stress, scored their level of stress on the job at seven or higher. So just yowza. How do you think the significant stress levels felt by legal marketers translates into other industries? Um, that statistic, just so you have a uh, number for your listeners, it was 83% said that it was a seven or higher. Um, it's a really, really interesting question. And it was a conversation I actually had down in Houston um, at the Southwest uh, Conference um, with the keynote speaker, um, who actually was an astronaut from NASA. And, you know, because he had spoken about his experience in regards to being the commander of a space shuttle mission where he had, you know, nine souls that he was responsible for in addition to a multi-billion dollar spacecraft um, and how not stressed he was. And I was like, how is it that you're not stressed when, you know, you can press a button and literally blow up a space shuttle and 83% of my colleagues are unbelievably stressed working in a law firm. And we had quite a long conversation about it. And the um, what we came to based on that conversation and looking at some of these responses that we received um, in the free field was the lack of control that we experience as legal marketers. Um, If you're in a space shuttle and you're the commander, you know exactly what your role is. And the payload specialist has their role. And the scientist has their role. And everyone knows during takeoff, you do this, you do this, you do this, you sit there and don't touch anything. And then once we're up in space, you do this, you do this, you do this. And everybody has their place. And everybody knows at what point things have to happen the order in which they have to happen. And they know years in advance exactly how that's going to be. There is a manual that they literally check off, checklist, check, check, check. So even though it's, you know, I'm in space in basically a rocket of fuel hurtling at a very fast speed, I know exactly what my role is and, and how I need to play it. As legal marketers, we know what our role should be. We know how those roles should be played, but we're working on a field 
where an awful lot of people who are working with us do not understand that role, do not understand how we do it, and often have no, I'm not going to say the word respect, although that was probably the word that I'd like to say, um, a lack of understanding as to why coming to us at eight o'clock at night, the day before you have a client pitch and saying, oh, can you now put a PowerPoint presentation together for me and a package of materials? And I need my bio, but my bio on the website actually isn't the bio I need. I need you actually to customize my bio because this is a pharmaceutical pitch. And actually on the website, I press my life sciences practice a little more. Oh, but by the way, can you do me a favor? Can you actually pull all of my experience data for pharmaceutical industries that you have in the day? database because I'm going to include that as well. Oh, and can you make it look nice? Oh, and by the way, it's at eight o'clock in the morning because it's a breakfast meeting. Right, right. And when I'm hearing... And we wonder why we're stressed. Yes. And when I when I hear from that conversation you had with that astronaut, and, and he was he was incredible, and I, I had a similar takeaway that he seemed cool as a cucumber despite his very <laughs> stressful seeming job, right? But what I heard from our that keynote speaker, the astronaut, was that they were crazy diligent about creating processes and getting in as much practice as possible. And I feel like, you know, you say lack of control, but the opposite of that obviously is processes and practice, right? And so they did all those drills and they made sure they had a process or a manual, like you said, for every single thing that could be thrown at them. And then they practiced it, right? And so I could see, you're right, in the law firm world, and as you get better at the job, I think there are, you do so many of those drills, like you just said, that you're like, oh yeah, I can, I can do this in my sleep, but it's still stressful. But I, I can, I can do an RFP that's due within 24 hours now and not, and not run screaming. But five years ago, 10 years ago, you got to be kidding me. I would have hyperventilated and run out the door. <laughs> but one thing that came out of the survey, and it's a question I think we have to ask ourselves, is should we be doing it? Because, so you just said, I can do an RFP in 24 hours. Yes, you can, because you are very, very good at your job, and I know that. However, if you didn't do it, would attorneys start realizing, actually, I need to give Vanessa, that RFP when it comes in the door, because otherwise I won't get the product I need. A number of people brought up the fact that they don't want to fail because it is a very high Mm -hmm. pressure, very visible environment. And if you fail, it can be quite public in many ways. You know, people are happy to throw people under buses. Um, But if we said at the last minute that's come, oh, I'm terribly sorry, that's past the date, the date by which we take on RFPs. I'm sorry, you should have actually given that to us a week ago because look, that actually came to you a month ago. Would they start moving those deadlines or are we in fact shooting ourselves in the foot by being so damn good at our jobs under pressure? Yeah, and there's an enabling. Is it appropriate to say no? That's the thing. We can you say no? Nervous saying it on the podcast. Oh, right? It's hard because I I I fall into that hero culture 
mentality a little bit, right? I like to be the savior, but you're right. You become an enabler. Um, you, you know, you get addicted to the save the day sort of feeling. Um, and I, I don't know why we don't get kudos from anybody. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, let's talk about burnout because there is a real cost of burnout. Yes. We're going to switch gears a little bit uh, because we know this life is not sustainable. I think all of us innately know that this is not a sustainable life that we live. And legal marketers, most of us um, are exempt employees, a lot of us, which means we are essentially on call 24-7. And now with our smartphones, we are expected to be on them all the time, checking in all all the time. I know I personally do this to the detriment of my family. And so I think this easily can lead to burnout. And um, you address this in the survey. I love that the survey specifically talks about the dollar amounts. Um, and so what did you learn about burnout as you were going through this process? Um, so one thing that we did learn about is the high cost of burnout. Um, I don't think it's something that law firms look at as much. Um, we often hear them talking about the cost of recruiting, um, mm-hmm. but they don't talk about the cost of burnout, which is kind of the other end of, you know, why they recruit so much. Um, so according to an article in the Harvard Business Review, work-related stress accounts for an estimated 125 to $190 billion with a B billion in U.S. healthcare spending each year. Um, and a 2018 Gallup study of nearly 7,500 full-time employees found that 23% report feeling burned out at work very often or always. That came from them being emotionally, mentally, or physically drained. Um, but it's not their happiness that declines. It's also their performance. So it's the self-fulfilling spiral down because as their performance declines, then they often will receive um, extra negative attention, which then makes them more unhappy. Then it declines, spiral, spiral, spiral. Um, So it's interesting though, because when we looked at who participated in the survey, 55% of the people who participated had been within legal marketing for over eight years. Um, Only four out of 200 people, so 2%, um, had actually been in legal marketing less than one year. And it's, it's interesting to me that when I'm with my colleagues, it seems to be either you leave legal marketing quite quickly yeah, or you're kind of in it almost for life. Except um, you, you've and, come in and out and then became a consultant, but you're right. Well, I, I still kind of view that I'm in. Yeah. Every day I, I work with attorneys. That's We keep bringing you back in, don't we? They keep sucking me back in. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, yeah, the, the friends that I know that have left legal marketing have not come back. Yeah. I, I can say that. Yeah. I mean, for me, I feel like, go ahead, Jessica. I was going to say, I, I feel like my friends in legal marketing have been doing it for a very long time and I don't see that changing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I wonder, I mean, you know, how much of it is Stockholm syndrome? <laughs> Sorry, I'm not, I'm actually being reasonably serious. I think someone who, you know, has a psychology degree needs to have a look and say, you know, if you feel this much stress, 
why do we still do it? And and maybe Vanessa, part of it is exactly what you mentioned. You know, the, there's there's a bit of I love you know people like being the hero, being able to swoop in at the last second and you know do a really good job. Um, but we do. I do. I also know that I'm wired to love deadlines and really. Um, thrive in environments where it's the pressure is on and I have a lot of deadlines and a lot of my marketing, sure. legal marketing colleagues are similarly wired, I think. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. But yeah, I do think there is, there is some psychosis behind you know, this mentality. <laughs> it's like, you know, if you were in a relationship where someone abused us like this, you wouldn't stay. You would be like, there's a woman shelter up the road. What are you doing? Um, and no. yet we, we take it every day. Um, yeah, uh, to that point, one of the saddest statistics in the report is related to feeling uh, respected or let's say disrespected by the lawyers. It seems to be, you know, one of those longstanding issues with the hierarchy of lawyers versus those who are not. Um, and that's a, a strong culture in a lot of firms yet today. What advice do you have for law firm leaders about valuing all employees? Well, I think sometimes they need to take a step back and look at not just the resource that has the billable hour attached to their name. Um, When I was at PwC, um, I held a very similar role to the one I held at White & Case. I was a deemed to be a business development executive. That was my title. Um, I basically led a, a sales team, marketing, you know, pulled that together, client management, looking after very, very large clients, um, figuring out new products that we could bring to those clients and bringing in those professional experts to them, be they tax or audit or consultants or whoever they may be. Um, and I was on partner track. I had a billable hour in the system. And when a department would bring me in as an internal consultant to help them figure out a path to increase the revenue on a certain client relationship, I got billed back to my group. And I could be wrong, so don't quote me on this, but Back in 2005, wow. I was being billed out at six fifty an hour. I had a mass. I have an MBA. I have multiple advanced degrees. I have, you know, I have various talents that they looked and said compared to the other consultants and other management consultants within the firm, that was my billable rate. And if I was brought into clients because they were looking at, you know, how would they structure something or they needed some, you know, product advice and, and how would that work? And I was part of that team that came in, the client would be billed that for me. And then I went to a law firm where I had no, if, if someone could see me right now, I'm doing air quotes, um, no billable value to the firm. I became an expense to the firm. And I think that is part of the the issue too. I mean, if you're within a law firm and and you are a professional who is helping the firm grow revenue, is helping the firm with client management, client service, anything related to growing the firm, maintaining revenue, client satisfaction, well, why shouldn't you be valued as much? as your attorney colleagues 
who are billing out. You're still helping grow the revenue. Um, And I think that's part of it as well, that if there were a billable hour assigned to you, Jessica, assigned to you, Vanessa, that was part of, you know, the team structure, would it be looked at differently? And I think that's where the, you know, the uh, big four, the accounting industry, they recognize something that um, as of right now in most law firms that I'm aware of, they, they don't see it the same way. So, uh, so I think we've thoroughly identified our working environments. Um, but the thing is, we're damn good at our jobs, right? There are lots of us that are damn good at our jobs. Were there any, can you tell us a little you know, give us some advice, give us some suggestions on how we can thrive in such stressful, fast paced environments. Oh my goodness. I, I, maybe that don't involve alcohol. I mean, we, we know that. (laughs) Um, just kidding. Maybe. No, you're not. Um, (laughs) I think it goes back to something Vanessa said, where possible put processes in place. Um, I think that it is very, very worthwhile um, once in a quarter, once a year, I don't care what it is, at some point, um, that you explain to your attorneys what your role is. Um, that was one of the biggest issues that came up in the survey was the majority of people felt that the attorneys did not understand their role. I mean, it wasn't just about not respecting them. It was they simply don't understand what I do. Um, And I think that the more we educate the attorneys on what we do and what value we can bring to the table and what what tasks are not adding value, um, you know, don't come to your director of, you know, client management and, and marketing the, you know, that morning and say, hi, can you please print my bio for me? Well, your assistant can do that. They have access. This is how you do it. You know, let, let's give as much empowerment as possible for those things to the people who are directly sitting outside your office. Bring me in when you're thinking of pitching that new client. Bring me in when you're looking to see how we can grow the client we have. Bring me in when you're going to be speaking at that conference, that seminar. How can I assist you with those types of things that add value every single day? And we can show how we add that value. Um, Talk to me about how you can better use our CRM system to be able to give you knowledge because knowledge is power. And power can help our firm grow. How do we do that? And I think the more we educate them on that value that we bring to the table as specialists in our field, we are just as specialized, just as valuable. We just do something different. I was accepted to law school. I was accepted to business school. A very, very a mentor of mine at the time said to me, you know, are you going to full-time practice law? And I said, well, no, I just like the law. And he said, then minor in law. (laughs) I went to a business school that had a law school as well. And I was lucky I was able to take a whole bunch of law classes. Um, But he said, why just don't, don't do that. So because I made the choice to not become a lawyer, that does not mean that my graduate degree 
is any less valuable and my experience is any less valuable. It's just different. Um, and I think if you can share with your attorneys that value you can bring to them, how you make their life easier, um, how you can you know, show them to thrive in the eyes of their clients and in the eyes of their peers, they will raise you up. I mean, find a champion in your organization who is willing to take on a project that you want to do. Be it something as simple as somebody who will put out, you know, write some client alerts for you to put out in, you know, through your email system, because then you can come up with metrics and show, hey, we reached this many people. This many people then went to your bio. We drove that many prospects to you directly through doing this. Find people who will work with you, who will champion your cause, and then sing the praise of the successes you know, make the lawyers look good. They'll come back to you. Yeah. And that's, that's good advice. Also on the flip side, they can also say, this is what Vanessa did, did for me, which is usually a higher level thing and sort of say, and make the case for, but you know, she shouldn't be doing calendar appointments for you and booking conference rooms when you visit other offices. She's doing this level of task for me, high level. So that's so, so great. So Lynn, Are you seeing firms trying to address these concerns and put in these processes if for no other reason than to combat the high cost of turnover? So we are seeing some firms who are signing the pledge in regards to mental wellness. And as a colleague of mine um, recently affirmed, that pledge actually goes beyond just attorneys. So if a firm has signed it, which I think there's maybe in the high 100s who have signed it so far, it's meant to cover non-lawyers as well, business professionals, legal staff, etc. How much that's actually being done, I don't know. Um, One thing that did come out of the survey was a concern from some of the uh, participants that their firms are putting in place wellness programs. And those wellness programs include things like you know, a yoga class or, you know, group activities and and things like that. Um, But what people made clear as well was, well, that's all well and good. Thanks for doing that. Um, I eat three meals a day at my desk. How do you think I'm going to yoga? Right. And, you know, please do not put one more thing on my calendar. Right. And, And the question is, how many people are then feeling that, the firms are almost being let off the hook by putting programs in place that people can't participate in because they're too busy. They have too much on their plate because they're not only being asked to do that directory submission, that RFP, that calendar entry, booking that conference room, ordering that client gift. How can I then go and and take that time? Um, So it can't just be, let's just throw a whole bunch of programs at it. Um, What's wrong with eating lunch lunch every day? That's a very lovely salad. That's her salad (laughs) that she will be eating. Well, the firm has brought in salad for everyone for being like heart healthy. To your point, it's like a play up, you know, they brought in a chair masseuse, which by the way, I did take 20 minutes to go do. Excellent. And they bring in healthy lunch sometimes. Which you so are eating nice. at your desk. 
Absolutely. This is the point people were making. So I think we can, it's wonderful that firms are trying to do these things, but I think we need to take a step back as an industry and say, why is some of that needed if we can alleviate stress, if we can alleviate the pressures to some degree? Because we're not saying it's, uh, every job has stress. That's not what we're saying. What is strange is just how stressful the legal industry is, period. And if the attorneys are feeling this way, often things roll downhill. So it is being passed on. And, you know, unfortunately, all of us here um, know of folks in our industry who have, um, you know, they have committed suicide. Um, and, you know, we don't, we don't want to see that in our industry and there, there must be things that we can do. And I think by... Or they are addicted to alcoholism sure. or they have dysfunctional families because they've, they've, they're never yeah. home, much like the lawyers we see. You're right. And I, and I think that was a big push for the lawyer side of this is because of the amount of substance abuse, uh, high rate of suicide and all of those things do trickle yeah. down. I mean, no matter how many people say to me, oh my goodness, you're in Vancouver. That's a beautiful place. I can't wait to go there or I've been there and I love it. I did not move to Vancouver so I could sail in the morning and ski at night. I do not ski. I do not sail. Um, part of the reason I moved was I never saw my kids when I was in New York. I had a global role. So I would wake up to, I am not exaggerating, 300 plus emails most morning that had come in overnight from Asia and Europe. I would clear those before I ever even made it to the office, do a full day, get told I was leaving at half a day when I left at seven o'clock at night. And then I would have conference calls with Singapore or Beijing or whoever it was in in Asia who needed me. Um, I would be in Europe. I was in London. I was in Paris. I I never saw my kids. And that does put pressure on, you know, any family structure. And I just decided after doing that for, you know, quite a while, I just didn't want to do that anymore. And I was absolutely shocked when I came out here because within, so when I first moved out here, my husband and children stayed in New York to finish up the school year. So I was in corporate housing and I was working every hour of the God's end because I had nothing else to do (laughs) in the evenings because I didn't know anybody. And I still was on that culture of crazy train. And after about three weeks, I got called into the office of one of the executive committee members. And all I could think was, oh my God, I quit my job. I've left. I'm in a different country and I'm about to get fired. What have I done? And he sat me down and he said, you know, uh, it's been brought to my attention by a number of the lawyers that you're emailing them quite late at night. And I'm like, yes, because I'm working. And he said, they're feeling very under pressure that they have to respond to you. And that's not what we do here. So if you could try and not send any emails after seven o'clock at night or set them to arrive in the morning, we'd really appreciate it because the lawyers are feeling under pressure. And I was like, what is this madness? I cannot compute. So that is a good culture. That's what that is. So it can be different. Mm -hmm. 
we just got to take baby steps. And I think us having these conversations about mental wellness and, and stress and how it relates to everybody in a law firm is a good starting point. So we have to thank the company and the person that's helping us behind the scenes, Jessica. And that is Micah Petrie. Micah Petrie. Yes. This could not be possible without Micah. Um, Vanessa, I had no idea when we started this how much work would go into making us sound great. So thank you to Micah Petrie, micahpetrie.com. That is M-I-C-A-H-P-E-T-R-E-A.com, micahpetrie.com. Yes, he does all kinds of sound production and website design, logo graphics, obviously podcasts. And so call him up, email him, check out his website if you need any help. Okay, so at this point, we're going to turn our attention to the last segment of our podcast at the Legal Slant called Rapid Fire. And so I don't want you to think too much about what you're going to say. We're going to try to go through these quickly. And, um, and I think you're going to do awesome at this. Okay. Rapid fire. Question number one, what is the one thing you are happy to never have to do again as a legal marketer? Oh my goodness. One thing to never have to do again as a legal marketer. Um, I think it is probably to, oh, compile someone's uh, mailing list for a client alert. Yeah. Yes. That's a good one. All right. Is there anything you miss about working inside a law firm or what is one thing you miss? Surely you miss something. Oh, my colleagues. I really do. Yes. I, I, we've, I feel like we've spent a whole bunch of time complaining about people and I don't want people to feel that. I, I love legal. I love attorneys. If I didn't, I would have set up a company to do something else. Yes. What was the scariest part about starting your own consulting firm? Um, my partner is my husband. Um, so if it failed, my children would not go to college. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that would be scary. Yeah. All right. You've lived in a lot yeah. of different places. So what has been your hmm. favorite place to live? I do miss New York, but I miss it because I didn't take as much advantage of being there when I was there because I worked so hard and I worked so much. So when people say I didn't take in the Broadway shows, no, no, I lived there for 17 years and I probably could count on one hand, the number of shows. I think I've seen more Broadway shows since I've left than when I lived there. Uh, I think I've gone to more museums since I left than when I lived there. Um, it was that, yeah, it was that whole routine you get into. You go to work, you come home, you do the laundry, you cook the dinner, you try and get to your kids' play. Yeah. Um, but I, I love New York, but um, I love Vancouver too. But I love Dublin. I love London. I've lived in lots of places. <laughs> so nice. They all have different things to bring to the table. Yes. And I'm sure at different seasons of life, you'd pick, you know, different different places as your favorite. All right. So what is your favorite luxury indulgence? Going to the spa. That's a good one. Yes. Yes. And really good manicure, pedicure type thing would be, yep, I do like that. Um, It is not as accessible here as it would be in, say, New York. That's one thing I do miss. 
uh, in New York, you can walk to any corner yeah. and some lovely people will do your nails for very little money. Yes. Um, that is not the case here. Oh, that's unfortunate. I know. I miss it. Well, so what are your favorite podcasts? Are you a podcast consumer? Um, I like to listen to podcasts for um, fun more than business. Uh, it's kind of, you know, I try and separate those two things. Um, but I'm a fan of the West Wing podcast, but unfortunately that's kind of come to a close, but I still have a few to catch up on that. Um, but I've been listening to a few of these um, crazy real crime ones. And as I stand there in the shower trying to guess who killed someone. Yeah. True crime is actually my favorite podcast genre yeah. as well. <laughs> I, I listen to yeah some some for fun and then some for some for work if you will yeah um, okay so what is the current book on your nightstand oh um it's a book that is definitely not uh, work re relevant um, it's actually called um, the actor and the housewife um, by Shannon Hale it's very much a kind of um, uh, fairy tale kind of book so fiction in some ways fiction. it's fiction it's fiction um but it's it's very um it, it made made me cry it's kind of one of those things it's you know some i also love um pride and prejudice that's another one of my go-to's from a uh, easy reading um but then again i easy reading yeah it's sure. easy reading i go to i do a lot of easy reading in the sense that you know i i try and stay away from a lot of business books on my nightstand i i i like that approach and that's why that's why i like to ask this question yeah. frankly um so what is the latest you've ever stayed at the office oh i i've slept at the office many times okay i used to care at, at my office i had a spare multiple spare changes of clothes. I love how you just act like that's so normal. Um, what is the longest time you've been away from your family for work? A um, couple of weeks. Yep. Wow. A couple of weeks. How old were you, how old were your kids? Would you say, do you then, do you remember? That was when my young, my eldest was quite young. So she probably was maybe two or three, maybe. Yep. That's rough. Okay. Yep. Or how do you de-stress if you're not getting your nails or your pedicure? I hang out with my children. Um, they are so much fun. And um, my youngest especially, she's 15. And she makes me feel like a cool mom because I actually know things like, you know, the words of juice. And we... And you know what a Visco girl I is, I'm sure. I do know what a Visco girl is. And we, and we make fun of my... <laughs> elder daughter when she has a scrunchie on her wrist um mm -hmm. yep i know how the rules of the covet fashion app uh game works um so yeah i kind of like go into are you on tiktok i are you on TikTok? am on tiktok and my I am daughter too. is trying to persuade <laughs> me that a square marketing should have a tiktok account I think she might be onto something. And we may it is just the fastest growing social media. If we it wasn't, may do that. Yeah, yeah, there's some issues with the ownership of it that make me a little and leery. That's but what <laughs> that may be something that my partner has an issue with too. So yes, we have talked about that. But that's actually how I really distress. I kind of like you know just immerse myself in in their world and and being mom and, and just I have to leave when you 
own a family owned business, right. like we're a boutique of 10 people, you have to be able to kind of separate. Otherwise your kids then become an extension of your business too. Right. And, you know, you have to be able to say, no, we have to leave that at the office. Home is home. Office is office. Otherwise I think it's not really fair on your kids. Right. So, yeah. Well, you that. sound like a very cool mom. So, you know, I, I definitely try, but sometimes I just don't necessarily know all the words to bad guy, but I try my best. Um, yes, that is a tough song. I do. I do love me some Billie Eilish as well. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, we need to hang out more. Okay. So last question in the rapid fire, what is your favorite vacation location? I'm sure you've gone some places. Like if you're on your dream vacay, Lynn, where are you? Depends who I'm with. Uh, if I'm with my husband, I'm somewhere like the Maldive Islands. Um, hopefully scuba diving or doing something like that that's nice and relaxing. Um, if I am with my daughter, my youngest daughter, um, I'm in Paris because she is an artist and she is absolutely loving art and art history and we were actually there last summer for two three weeks and it was absolutely fabulous to see a city like Paris through the eyes of of somebody who hasn't been there before and that was very cool. Oh I bet. Yeah. I think my daughter's uh, room is decorated with Paris and she's obsessed and I think at some point we're going to have to take her. So I'll have to call you for some some notes on mother-daughter Paris I, attractions. I would absolutely recommend it because you see things in a whole different way. And the thing I would recommend most is, you know, don't try and do too much in a short period of time and let them kind of direct what they're interested in. And you'll be surprised that they really, they step up. So Awesome. Well, this has been fabulous. I'm so happy that you um, saw an opportunity to be a leader in finding out more about the mental health of legal marketers. And when nobody was doing it, you said, why not us? I love that. And so thank you again so much for being our guest today. Well, I hope that you will come back on. Anytime. And we will do this again when you have um, the next report out. I would love to, and uh, I'm happy for us to talk about um, anything else you want to chat about. So, yay. Yep. Yay. Perfect. Thank talk you so soon. much. Thanks. All right. Bye. So that was fantastic. I love talking with Lynn Foley. She uh, makes me, she just makes me happy. She's just such a good soul. She's funny. Absolutely. She's funny. She's fun. She has a fabulous accent. I, I could listen to her just <laughs> say the alphabet all day. Oh, I, I, yeah. It, she's one of those people who will instantly become your friend. I love it. Absolutely. And I didn't know her all that well before this. Obviously, I've spoken to her at conferences and, you know, just in business circumstances, but this was really fun to get to know her a little bit better. So I, I loved it. Yeah, she's, she's great. I loved... Um, you know, obviously we talked at the beginning of this episode, we're recognizing this is, we're sitting in some pretty unusual circumstances, some unprecedented times, but it's interesting to me that there are some key themes that hold true no matter, no matter what, and that's when possible, put processes in place and explain to your attorneys what your role is and the value that you can bring to the table. And I think that's just a great reminder to everyone on your team and 
Yes. Educating the lawyers about your role um, was definitely something she brought home with the story of the astronaut, right? Yes. Everyone knows their role. Everyone knows the playbook and, and everyone is working off the same playbook. And what she made very clear was we as legal marketers know what our role is, but the lawyers don't always know what our role is. And so there's this disconnect that can happen. And I think, you know, over time, over time, as you get to know the lawyers and as they get to know you, that becomes a clearer picture. But it's it's a that disconnect creates a lot of stress and anxiety in our roles. It does. But reckon, you know, putting some perspective on it helps and setting some boundaries, um, even though we want to be the heroes always. Yes. Yes. That hero culture is real. That hero culture is real. Yeah. And, you know, and right now in the face of COVID, I don't know, uh, I'm sure a lot of firms, I've talked to several legal marketers, we are all um, doing things around COVID-19 for our clients and creating resource centers. And, and there is a huge need there. And a lot of our processes are being, you know, scrutinized because we are working at a lightning fast pace to keep up with the, the client demand of content and the fluid situation. They'll be, you know, it's the law moves very quickly sometimes anyway, Jessica, but literally like an announcement will come out on Friday and you'll try to get a little alert out or a webinar done. And then on Sunday it's changed. I know it. Literally. It's, it's just incredible at every hour. All I could say is I hope that there are takeaways from today's episode that really help our listeners. I know I learned a lot and um, absolutely also to give myself a little bit of grace in these business unusual times. And, you know, it's been great talking with you guys and uh, reaching out with to other friends. Yeah. And then, you know, one more thing that she talked about that I feel like this might help. I mean, in some ways helps is the cost of burnout. Listen, I have had a secret wish that the world would slow down just a tiny bit for since my dad died sure. selfishly and the world has all of a sudden slowed down. I mean, I wouldn't want it to slow down this much, but we've all had this amazing gift of more time with our families, good or bad. And um, the opportunity to, to just kind of look at our lives and prioritize what's important when, true. you know, Roy Sexton put this on Facebook and it's so true when getting a gallon of milk becomes a life and death situation, all of a sudden other things start to come into perspective and you start realizing what's really important. And so, you know, as we are working so hard in these jobs that aren't life and death a lot of the time, um, I think it's just a good reminder. And I think all of us are putting things in perspective now that maybe we didn't two months ago. So absolutely. I, he said it so well. Well, Vanessa, I uh, hope that you and your family, as well as all of our listeners and friends, our colleagues, stay well. Take care of yourselves. Stay well. Yeah, stay well. Stay home and stay well. And we can't wait to see you soon, someday in the future. Yes, yes. Virtual hugs to all. We appreciate you listening to this episode of The Legal Slant. Check out our website at www.thelegalslant.com where you can find book and article recommendations made by our fabulous guests. You can also click to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. 
We want your feedback. So write a review wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you have a great idea for a topic, email us at Vanessa at TheLegalSlant.com or Jessica at TheLegalSlant.com. <laughs>